Let's get this W on three. One, two, three. to the W Podcast, hosted by Princess and Love. What's up, beautiful people? Thank you for tuning in to yet another episode of the W Podcast. My name is Lo, and I'm here with my amazing co-host, Princess. Hey, guys. What's up? Welcome back. What's up, everyone? So uh, you are now tuning in to episode seven of the W Podcast, and we have so much to talk about because a lot has happened over the past week. I want to kick off because I had the pleasure of seeing my Bay princess last week. <laughs> so she came to New York for almost a week. And let me tell you, this girl came to this city and done took over. I'm thinking, oh, I get to, I'm going to get to see her. We're going to get some time together. She's probably going to visit some of her girlfriends up here. No, this girl came on a mission. Yes, she saw her friends and her, you know, whoever else that she wanted to see. But she came here going to events. Go be in the suites. I was just like, and I'm sitting at home in my house, like, wait a minute, how's she gonna come to my city and take over? And I'm sitting watching all these events in my living room while she's here <laughs> backstage or doing whatever she wanted to do. So I'm gonna let her let you know what she did. First of all, I'm very proud of her though, because she got a lot of things done. But I'm gonna let her explain some of the hot events that she was at while she was here. And she looked fly. <laughs> I was um, like, hold on, you can come to my city looking like a snack, like someone said <laughs> to you. Yo, you are a mess. Yo, did I show you that DM? Yes. Okay. You did. <laughs> in my DMs and I had to show it to her. But yes, girl, thank you. Oh, thank you. Um, New York was amazing. One of my really, really good friends, she's also very amazing, Brittany, really afforded me the opportunity to go to New York. And we did a networking trip, uh, made a networking trip out of it. So we went to the NBA draft, which was an amazing experience. I met so many people. Um, I talked with Steve Smith, NBA TV um, correspondent, Kenny the Jet Smith, UNC Connection. Uh, we talked briefly. I wanted to meet Chanae. Chanae was doing the thing uh, with all the interviews and backstage stuff. Um, so that was amazing. I got to see the inner workings of that. And that was like a crazy star-studded event. And then I got to see you, the most amazing co-host that there ever was, in my first time at Madison Square Garden. So when I tell y'all, she had me all over the world's most famous arena, meeting people, shaking hands and kissing babies. And I was just like, what <laughs> is this experience? But it was so crazy. We got to watch the New York Liberty and Connecticut Sun game, which was an amazing game. Yes, the atmosphere in there was crazy. So we had so much fun. Um, like I said, met so many amazing people. And then to kind of top off the trip, I went to the Big Three event, which is the new three-on-three tournament with all the old NBA veterans who can still play a little bit. Um, so that was really fun. It was only supposed to be like a three-hour event, but ended up being six and a half, almost seven hours. So they got to work that out amongst themselves. But I mean, I met there, I met many people as well. I mean, was like you said, I was all over Barclays. That was uh, The draft was my first time ever in Barclays. And then 
the game was my first time ever in MSG. And so I was like all over there meeting people, um, just kind of stepping out of my comfort zone to just have fun, but of course be professional. And, you know, I wasn't afraid to tell people about my dreams. Like if they asked what I was there for, what I was doing, I, I let them know, you know, you got to put in the atmosphere. So yeah, that was like the gist of my networking trip. Most of y'all saw it all unfold on Instagram. Uh, but yeah, it was amazing. I didn't, and I'm so glad part of it. I didn't tell you this, but like part of me kind of felt like a little emotional when I saw you at the garden because you remind me of how I was a few years ago when I started. Like that, just like I'm just happy to just be around. I'm just happy to be here. Like that bright eyed, bushy bushy tailed. Like I'm just so excited, and it kind of like reminded me as to why I'm doing what I'm doing because I saw you just so excited and networking and you're telling me you know I gotta send this thank you email and I gotta do this and I'm like damn I don't even do that stuff anymore like I gotta get back on my game because that's I used to do the same thing going around just meeting people letting them know this is what I want to do or this is the lane I want to go down or this is what I'm interested in and I think sometimes when you get yourself in the door you get a little comfortable and seeing you that way made me realize how comfortable I've gotten. So I want to thank you for being ambitious because you lit the fire up under my butt to get back <laughs> on my A game because I was just like, nah, F that. I got to get back on my stuff. So this week I was thinking of topics for shows. I'm like, I got I to gotta get this princess first before she gets it to me. And I got to do this and I got to do that because you have a very small window. So it's like why you're able to have those conversations and those connections do it because you never know who's going to be around, who might fall off the map, who might not be relevant, who might still be, or what your life is going to be like in a year. So it's like, strike the pot while it's hot. You you know, like, Lo was with me the whole time, and I was literally a kid in the candy store. Anything I saw that was new, exciting, and reminiscent of this amazing industry, I was like, cheek smile. Isaiah Thomas and Swin Cash walked by me. I mean, like eye to eye. And I just, I, I froze. Did I even say hey to them? I don't even, I don't even know if I got the words out of my mouth. You said hi, Mr. Thomas. And then you said, oh my God, his skin looks like money. Isaiah <laughs> <laughs> Thomas in person, that boy clean. Okay. And you were just like, oh my God, he looks like money. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. <laughs> he got a little change in his pocket. His, um, his skin just radiate and Swin has that pregnancy glow. They just look like good, healthy money. It just, I, I it was so much fun. <laughs> but I had an amazing time in New York. It was, it, the city is crazy. It's so much going on, but I made the most of it. I'm happy. Speaking of New York, another thing that was made that took place out here this week was the NBA Awards, which I'm really, really surprised about how great it came out. I'm honestly like, I don't know, like, when I heard they were doing NBA awards, at first I was like, "Why?" Because just give the guys their awards. I want to, I want to see Rusty get his his you know MVP award because I know he was going to win because he had to. Um, I want to see Rusty get it like right away. I don't know why they're like dragging it out or whatever. But now when I saw the final product that was televised on TV, it was really really nice and everyone looked beautiful and I think the awards were very accurate. I think the people who won certain awards deserved those awards um the players that I was rooting for particularly I was happy that Giannis I'm not going to pronounce his last name because I'm going to disrespect it Ansi Sakumbo. there you go there you, you almost got it there you go okay so I'm happy that Giannis Greek the Greek freak 
got it. But um, for most improved player, I'm really proud of him and those strides that he's made. And of course, Russell Westbrook, because I mean, all the other MVP candidates were amazing candidates. Like James Harden had a phenomenal year. So did Kawhi Leonard. Like Kawhi Leonard was just like beasting. I honestly thought it would have been, if there was anyone else who would, who would have gotten, it would have been Kawhi Leonard. Mm-hmm. But Russie just made history. Like that kind of ascension in one year and consistency in one year, like you don't, you don't see that often. You know what I mean? Like that was just like, it's unfortunate that the, his team didn't go deeper into the playoffs, but there was no denying that Russie deserved it. Like it was just uh, averaging a triple double, like the entire season, like the whole season. Like what? First of all, I need you to stop calling this man Rusty like he's Red Run's son, okay? <laughs> oh, he's one of my favorite players in the NBA for real. Like, he's not he's my number two favorite player in the NBA, so. Yeah, he's he's amazing. And in the 2016-2017 year, there's no other word to describe this man's game but incredible. Shattering records. Um, of course, like you said, averaging a triple-double, um, notching the highest ever triple double the the first 50 point triple double a triple double streak i mean this was man was mr triple double uh and every night offensively came out and was like like you said incredible he was just so much intensity so much energy he really played this season with a chip on his shoulder and um that mentality really got him a lot of respect and people expect kevin durant to hate on him Kevin Durant gave him his props we saw during the all-star break that they don't completely hate each other another player that is always in the MVP race to me, but won't always get his due diligence is LeBron James. Cause LeBron also played this entire yeah. season at a very high level. But like you said, there was Kawhi who on both sides of the floor was amazing for you to be in the MVP race, as well as be up for defensive player of the year is big. Cause that's very rare. James Harden would never surface of that. Um, but yeah. And, and looking at Harden's numbers, you know, averaging over 30 and assist wise really coming into that point, forward shooting guard role, pretty much playing the entire backcourt himself. Um, And to be so successful with that, the MVP race this year was very, very, very tight and very exciting. But like you said, Russell Westbrook just pulled out and his, his speech to his family and his wife and his brother. First of all, I cry at everything. So I cry at, I cry at Disney movies and I was bawling during this um, speech because you just saw how hard he worked for it and then like you said to have his mother and his father there a a nice strong black family his his brother who's younger than him that he said he looks up to and then his wife who just gave him a beautiful baby boy um and always a good representation of the black family on a big stage and bill russell just stole the show did you see that bill russell part (laughs) oh my god he reminded me of somebody's granddaddy i love him he just turned around to all of them. Pointed, he pointed to each one in their face. And those are, those are greats. Like, those are untouchable centers. And look them all <laughs> in their face. Did you hear that? Um, I think Russ said that while he was taking his photos, um, those official photos with the, with the trophy, his wife made him change. Because he was going to wear something way more outlandish. He said the jacket didn't fit. And he was going to wear it anyway while it was too tight. And Nina was like, no, you're not going to be looking crazy and it's too tight. Like, just, just, just <laughs> give it a rest. Wives and women, girlfriends and mothers and women are there in the lives of men. So once in a while, you've got to reel it back. Like, all right. Yes, that's why y'all need us. 
but yeah, the NBA Awards was great. And there was a lot of um, members of New York Liberty came to support also to show, to represent being in New York and everything. So Kia Vaughn was there, Brio Hartley, Amanda Zalibi, uh, Morgan Tuck was there from the Connecticut Sun, Candace Parker was there as well. Uh, Kia Stokes, everybody looked phenomenal. Um, great representation. Oh, and Lisa Borders, of course. Mm-hmm. So re- great representation from the WNBA that was there. Uh, Candace presented an award as well. Uh, and it was really, really great just to see them there interacting with people. Apparently on Nicki Minaj's Instagram, uh, she said that she got to meet some WNBA players from New York and promised that she come, she's going to come to a game and she's not joking. She's dead serious. So just like we called out LeBron like two weeks ago, Nicki Minaj, we are calling you out too. Um, I expect to see you at more than one game courtside. Sit. Yeah. Yeah. sit. Onika, you gotta be there, MSG. And you're from Queens, like it's not that far. So, yeah. And she just got to come to the city to Queens or something big like that. So come on, get back to your city. Just come back. That's just, you ain't got, you have no choice, right? So. You talk about women empowerment, which I love about Nikki. So I just expect to see her. I expect to see her here. So that is some of the happenings that took place uh, in New York over the past week that had the city buzzing. Everything was like back to back too. So basketball kind of took over the city of New York. But we're going to transition into the WNBA and talk about some things that took place this week. Um, one thing that was mentioned that was announced earlier this week was the players of the week. And the players in the week for uh, are Alyssa Thomas of the Connecticut Sun and Skylar Diggins Smith of the Dallas Wings. Both of them were named players of the week for the weeks of for the days between June 19th and the 25th. So starting with Alyssa Thomas uh, from Connecticut, I know that is one of your the ladies on your radar. So you want to talk about how her performance has been so far up to the season? The entire Connecticut Sun roster is really on my radar. I've like fallen in love with that team um, and just how well they come together and play really good team ball as well as the Mystics. I've covered them and I love. And so, like I said, we were in Madison Square Garden and we got to watch them get a road win um, against the Liberty. And so they were on a five game win streak, including a win over Minnesota on the road. So really coming into themselves as really great producers on the road and just doing a really good job in closing out games. And so Alyssa Thomas was a really key factor to that. We saw her dominate in that exciting win. Um, and the fourth quarter improvement, um, they've all really built in that area. Playing a lot of unselfish ball. You had John Cole Jones doing well, Courtney Williams, and Jasmine Thomas. And so um, that was the first time Alyssa gets player of the week honors in four seasons. And so for that week, she got 6.5 assists per game, which was the first in the conference, 8.0 rebounds per game, which is fifth in the conference, and 15.5 points per game, which was tied for eighth. And overall, right now, she's doing everything on the court, averaging 16.4 points per game, 7.6 boards, 5.8 dimes, and 1.2 steals. So, yeah, I just, I'm really starting to see a lot of, like I said, the Connecticut Suns roster coming into their own. And Alyssa is a really, really key point of that. And like I said, when she played the Liberty, had 12 points, 8 rebounds, and 8 assists. And so Sunday, the two players of the week, played each other and so we can transition into Skylar Diggins Smith who is coming into her own um I think she had a lot of adjustments to make with uh, her team being so young and 
figuring all that out with five rookies, but she's doing a really good job with that and making a revival as an all-star pick. We were making our um, choices. She wasn't, she definitely wasn't on my radar as all-star because she just wasn't, you know, she just didn't seem like she was playing like herself. But now over the past week, as we see to get player of the week, she's been doing a really, really good job. And so Dallas went three and zero for this week. They went undefeated. Um, and so her and the team, like I said, are really finding their stride. So against the Stars, she had 16 points and six assists. They had another rematch against the Stars where she had 30 points and five assists. I think that was like her first 30-point game in two mm-hmm. seasons. Um, something really crazy for her. And then against the Sun, um, she snapped, helped snap their uh, five-game win streak. So she got 15 points, nine assists, and three rebounds. And really, like I said, it's helping get Dallas back into it. They started off the season really well, kind of fell off a little bit. Road wins were really tough for them to get. But now they're just working together, playing good team ball. And, of course, her being the leader, as well as Karima Christmas Kelly. Um, They are two experienced players on this team of so many young women. And so they're really stepping into those leadership roles and doing an amazing job for Dallas. It seems like for both teams – things are clicking this season. You know what I mean? Like, I think they always had the pieces, but now things are starting to kind of come together, especially with maybe the addition of some of the newer players as well and what things and things that they bring to the table. Standings are uh, at Dallas has, they're at an even 8-8. Eight, eight. And Connecticut with six, they have six wins and seven losses. But I think even maybe that might not necessarily reflect how good that they've been playing. You know, you don't want to rely necessarily on where they're standing, but maybe who they're beating or what they're they're up against or the, the way they perform against certain teams that maybe have better records is something that is to be noticed as well. I think by the start of the playoffs, both of these teams will be over 500. Right now, like you said, they're starting to come into their own, but you still have to get some kinks out in a lot of ways. Um, and at, in, in professional basketball, that's a good place to be playoff-wise. You're pretty much guaranteed a playoff spot. Um, and that's right now, I'm sure, what they're, they're they're vying for. So congratulations to both of those ladies. Keep up the good work. And we can't wait to see what else you do this season. I'm really excited to see them flourish. We have a little bit of time. Also forgot to mention with the New York conversation, shout out to the New York Liberty. They took part in the Pride Parade on Sunday. And what I did not know is that they are officially the first sports franchise to have their own float in the parade. Major accomplishment that I forgot to point out. So a whole bunch of them were on the float, including Bill Lambier and Isaiah Thomas. And it looked like a whole lot of fun. Continuing to talk about the playoffs, the San Antonio Stars. What's going on with them? What's happening? Currently, their record is 0-14, so they have not won a game yet so far in this season. I feel like the San Antonio Stars have not I feel like they haven't been really able to find their footing since losing Daniel Robinson to a trade and Becky Hammond retiring. So seeing them perform this way so far this season, it's a little disheartening, especially that they have Kelsey Plum. They have, you know, a very sought after rookie. Um, they have Kayla McBride. So they have good pieces around them, but it's just not producing on the court. What do you think is going on possibly with San Antonio? We just said we weren't going to focus so much on the record, but when you look at the scores, um, they only lost by nine points to Minnesota. A lot of times they came within really close matches, came down to the wire with the Stars. They just couldn't finish it out, and there are a host of different reasons um, to that fourth-quarter scoring, defense under pressure, 
um, transition defense. Sometimes they can't seem to get it together. And so today there was actually a WNBA trade. Mo Curry is now going back to the Phoenix Mercury and the stars will be getting guard Shea Murray forward Sophie Brunner and a third rounder of the 2018 draft. So that's a really big move there. Um, and so Mo Curry really was such a bright spot for the stars. She's a veteran. And for her to be in this position and be 0-14, it's not the best look. You would expect that from a, a really young team, but one to be led by someone who's as talented as Mo Curry is, is why she requested the trade. So Phoenix kind of came up on a steal on this. I mean, you're losing two pieces, but Murphy um, only averaged 3.2 points, 2.4 rebounds, and 14.2 minutes in nine games. Brunner signed with Phoenix in April and is three games played with them, but hasn't really produced much where you have a third scoring option coming in for Phoenix with Mo Curry. And so it's a really huge win for them there. But specifically what's going on with the Stars is GM Ruth Riley is going to have to make more moves than that. They're, they're playing well throughout the games. Finishing up is just not really it. And so you have Mariah Jefferson, who's a talented player. You have Kelsey Plum, who's a talented player. Kayla McBride, a lot of potential in Isabel Harrison and Nia Coffey, just very scrappy young girls who are willing to get at it, but it's not clicking. And so right now, I think with Mo Curry leaving, you'll have the opportunity to play Kelsey, play Mariah, and play Kayla at the same time and give them some time to, to work it out. Because last game, Kelsey only played four minutes. And throughout, a lot of people have been complaining that for her to be the number one uh, WNBA draft pick, for her to be such an excellent scorer as we know her to be, number two all time um, for college scoring and not being able to get that opportunity at the next level is unfair to her. It's unfair to her teammates and the franchise as a whole. She really has to be out there to get the experience to try and to fail. So like I said, having a rotation with Mariah Jefferson, Kayla McBride, and Kelsey Plum um, with the absence of Mo Curry is really going to, I think, be a difference maker for the Stars and hopefully get them their first win in the coming weeks. Yeah, I'm hoping that they get the first win also. Um, um, like you said, it's just like they have great players and great pieces with that either have proven ability or a huge amount of potential and closing out games is hard though you know there's a lot of things that factor into closing games and why it's not working maybe fatigue might be one of them um you know obviously if it's a team that's relatively young or players that are in their second year and it's like trying to keep up and, and keep up with the speed and the, the intensity of the pro league it could be like you said not playing certain players when it's vital or not allowing players to kind of get into a rhythm long enough where they can, you know, really where things start to click for them and they can kind of find their footing and just go off, whether it be scoring, whether it be defensively, whether it be both. What are some, like, I, I mean, I'm not a, I'm not a basketball player. So what are ways that teams can kind of break that? Like, how have you, like, what do you think, or maybe what, what have other teams used methods that you think they've used to kind of get out of that funk of trying to close out a game? Well, like I mentioned, a lot of the games have been really close. So when you come down to close games, really what's important is knowing when to foul, knowing who to foul. And if you are fouled, uh, making free throws. Um, I haven't seen all of their games and all of their close games, but just from being a basketball player and knowing that if it is close and you're closing out, um, those are very, very key, important pieces. And making good good, uh, smart decisions with the time on the clock. Um, and then being young, that might be an issue there. Um, their head coach is in her first season as well. 
Um, and so everyone's like, when are the stars going to be able to have their opportunity to win? Um, and so I'm looking for them to get their first win after the All-Star break. But they might have an opportunity this Friday. They're playing the Chicago Sky, who actually look worse as a unit. And they have more veteran players, Tamara Young, Stephanie Dolson, Kathy Pondexter. But as a unit, they look worse than the Stars do. And their losses have been by bigger margins than the Stars have. And so this might be the opportunity, I mean, like I said, with that new lineup possibility for them to get their first win on Friday. Um, and also, there was a really important point that was brought up about the Stars that they might be looking forward to 2018 draft and getting Asia Wilson coming out of South Carolina, who is – she's a difference maker across the board. We know Kelsey Plum to be an amazing – but defensively, eh, you know, you don't really know what you're going to get from her. Um, but Asia Wilson is going to fight. She's going to get those boards. She's going to run after the ball, get on the floor. Um, defensively, she's going to make stops. And she's also going to put the ball back up and get some baskets for you as well. She's an all-around amazing player. And so there are theories that they might be kind of in a tanking position right now to get back in another good position to get Asia Wilson at number one in 2018. And I'm not really sure of their exact game plan, but that's definitely a possibility. So be on the lookout for Friday's game against the Chicago Sky to see exactly how well they can do up against a team who I personally think does not look as good as them. I mean, their record is better, but they just don't look as great as they do. Um, so you can see that, and that'll probably be a really good indicator of their strengths and weaknesses. And if they play down to their level of competition or if they find their own pace and can win a game. What do you think about tanking? Just in general, not necessarily with the stars, but just in general. You often hear in, I think, pretty much every sport. Uh, I hear mostly, obviously, in basketball because that's the sport that I primarily watch with teams that lose on purpose or don't finish out on purpose or keep their record low in order to, in hopes of getting a top pick in the upcoming draft or tanking for a certain amount of seasons to kind of rebuild through the draft. seems like a great idea, but I just don't think it's fair for the current players who are there and they want to win. And that's what they, they're working hard for. It's what they're training for. That's what they practice for. That's what they're dreaming of. And for them to not, you know, your your basketball career is only, you only have a, a healthy career for a certain amount of time. You can get injured at any point in time, right? Um, I feel like the time in which you're a basketball player, you don't take for granted. And even though you may tank one year, it's you don't want to take that for granted, you know. So I don't know. I don't. I'm not crazy about the idea of tanking, but I see why some teams. It seems like some teams are doing it. I think tanking is definitely a desperation move um, that organizations take to put a lot of pressure and a lot of emphasis on the draft and the draft lottery. But I do think that it sends a message to your current players. Um, so say you have a veteran who's about 30, 31 years old, kind of letting them know like, hey, you're not getting it done. We're going to look forward to the next piece who may be 21 years old coming out of college with no league experience, no playoff experience, but we're going to look to them to, to fix this organization, to fix this issue. It can send a message that way to them. I mean, it doesn't always work. You as an organization, if you take the tanking route, you really are putting a lot of faith on the backs of a usually 20, 21 year old to kind of come in and, and save the organization. But like I said, it's really a desperation move. And when a lot of people like to talk about, oh, this is what's wrong with the game, or oh, this is what's wrong with this league or that league, they 
rarely mention taking tanking. They'll mention a million other things and dynasties and, and winners and stuff like that, but they don't mention tanking. But I do think tanking is a negative part of the game. People who are supposed to be professional athletes are supposed to come out every night and try to win. And just to try to get a, a better position to, like I said, put a lot of faith on the back of someone who's may, who may or may not be able to carry it is, I think, a heavy, heavy, heavy decision that you have to make. And um, not everyone's successful with it. Some people have been. If that's the star's route, they're putting a lot of faith in getting Asia Wilson to come in and make an immediate change. And regardless if they lose again or not, they're pretty much solidified at the bottom of the conference right now. Uh, excuse me, the bottom of the league right now. So you can go ahead and spare one win at least to save a little bit of face. <laughs> Just a little something. So let's move on. Something I don't want to forget to mention. For the All-Star Game, they're bringing back a three-point contest this year, which is going to be super exciting. So the three-point con- contest will take place during halftime um, at the All-Star Game, which is on July 22nd. It's going to be televised nationally on ABC. It's going to be taking place at the Key Arena in Seattle. Uh, $10,000 will be donated to the charity of the winner's choice in support of her community uh, service efforts. So this is really exciting. Um, I'm really happy that the WNBA is bringing this back. And I'm really happy that they're adding different elements to the All-Star game. One thing that I would love to see the WNBA continue to do in the future is make the All-Star game an event, like make it like a whole attraction. We have the game on Saturday, which is wonderful. Not trying to necessarily compare it to the NBA, but you know, we see the NBA All-Star Game. It's like, in a, it's just like the place to be. And it's February, that Valentine's Day weekend or around Valentine's Day weekend, whatever city that the All-Star Game is in, that city is on fire. That city is alive. There's so much things going on, whether it's NBA related or maybe other companies, organizations are having things. It could be community service. It could be parties, you know, and I, and I would love to see the WNBA push to make it the big place to be in whatever respective city that they're in. It really is important for the WNBA to just take it a step further, have more fan engagement and interaction. And like I said, I always said, put it in a more central city, maybe in Chicago, where it's like, man, going from New York to Seattle is crazy. You're going from Miami to Seattle is crazy. But if you were going from like a New York to Chicago or Miami to Chicago, it kind of cuts down on the miles a little bit. That's an option as well. I, I don't think they should be afraid to experiment, whether it's events like three point or bringing back the skills or even coming up with something completely new, a mini dunk contest where you lower the goal and dunk. I mean, just don't be afraid to experiment. What could go wrong? Uh, we, we're, we're looking for more from the All-Star game. We're looking to really see the best of the best showcase their talent. Why not experiment and try a little bit more? See, as far as having a central city, it's hard because some of the more successful or some of the teams that have like the strongest fan bases are in smaller market cities, like a Seattle, like a Minnesota, you know, maybe like Indiana. Mm -hmm. So having a Chicago would be great. New York would be great. LA would be great. But, you know, Seattle fans have never had an all-star game in their city and their fans, they're very, they're very, very loyal to the franchise. So I understand putting it in Seattle because the fans deserve to have it in their city. 
but with that you know make more out of it because you have people traveling from all over the country to seattle you have media traveling to seattle you have fans traveling to seattle make it something that's like where the city is alive right you know what i mean you want to ignite the city as well you want the city to be excited so we'll wait to see and like i said unfortunately i don't i don't think i'm going to be able to make it to seattle this year because it's just too expensive to get to new york seattle it's crazy but <laughs> um we'll we'll see what you know how it plays out also happy birthday to the wnba because this week celebrated the 20th anniversary of the official tip off the very first inaugural game the new york liberty versus i'm hosting the la sparks uh 20 years ago in 1997 it took place and 20 years later the w is stronger than ever players have surpassed expectations surpassed levels of ability and talent and you know because of that first tip-off and how successful they've been, we are able to sit here and run this podcast because we're diehard fans and we want to see the W continue to flourish. So happy anniversary to the WNBA, uh, to the ladies who played those inaugural games, uh, Lisa Leslie, Rebecca Lobo, Kim Hampton, uh, so many monumental women on both teams. We salute you and you are the reason that we are here doing what we love to do. Happy 45th birthday to Title IX. Uh, so even bigger than the WNBA, Title IX for those of you who may not know, it is legislation that was passed allowing girls to participate in team athletics, um, mainly in schools that are federally funded, so public schools. Um, but it really opened the door to girls being involved in sports, competitive sports, um, all across this nation, no matter what the level is, no matter what the sport is is for the most part and because of title nine you know i don't i don't even know what else is there to say like it's the reason why we were able to be student athletes growing up as kids um it's the reason why so many women are able to play in college it's the reason why so many women are able to even play sports that may have been more male dominated prior to this legislation being passed and now women have been able to get their foot in the door and take over and create a, a path and a style and a flair for themselves. So, you know, I just hope that we just continue the legacy of Title IX, um, uphold the legacy, because it's something that you don't want to take for granted. What I really did to kind of, well, what I really did to make note of the importance of Title IX was to listen to other women's stories. So women who who are trying to get their foot in the door, who were trying to play a sport, who were trying to compete um, before 1972 when it was passed and who had such a hard time doing it. Women actually back in that time played six on six in basketball because they were told that they were too fragile to play five on five, that there had to be more players to actually make it work and other crazy discriminatory things like that. And so I read this Forbes article that featured Swin Cash, Ruth Riley, and Tamika Catchings, and it really showed how even while they were playing um, in college, you know, everything was kind of set up for them. They're playing at Notre Dame or UConn or the University of Tennessee, and they were a part of these storied programs with, you know, great resources, 
just great opportunities and they knew they would make it to the professional league. By the time they turned pro, they got, you know, they got welcomed with the rude awakening that it's not quite set up for on the pro level like it is on the university with Title IX. So they've been doing a lot of work. Even after they hung up their sneakers and, and retired, they were involved in the players union mostly and decided now and even in their retirement, they're going to work as WNBA executives to just keep it going for the next generation. That's the one thing that I really love about women and women in sports, that they are always doing something to for the other ones coming up. Even from 1972, 45 years later to now, Title IX is amazing. Um, I'm so glad that people actually took the time to celebrate and keep working towards doing what's right for women in athletics. And I just don't want, you know, for the younger generation, those of us who are born post Title IX being passed and, you know, we're accustomed to this, you know, there was a time where, you know, not like your great grandmother, your great great grandmother, you know, your mother could not play athlete, you know, could not play sports. You know, we don't know what our mothers could have been athletically because they weren't afforded those same opportunities. It's something that you don't want to take for granted. We're in some weird times right now, so you never know who might decide, you know what? We got to make cuts, so let's cut Title IX or whatever, you know, stupid reason. So, you know, while you have the opportunity to play the sport of your dreams, do it and do it at a high level if you that's what you desire to do. We salute those who decided to pass that law. Thank you very much. And we're going to transition to talk about two young ladies in the WNBA who so we watched them steadily rise over the past couple of years to dominance both on the court and off the court. And those are those ladies are Cheney and Neko Ogumihe. And I wanted to talk about them particularly because over the past couple of weeks, you know, we've seen a lot of them lately just achieving great things. So Neka, both of them were picked number one in their draft class, in their draft classes. Uh, that's number one. Number two, NECA winning the um, MVP last year, as well as winning the title, the WNBA title last year. With Cheney, you know, with her, even though she's been battling a couple of injuries during her time in Connecticut, but during that time she used, instead of just, you know, finding, putting her time into other things, she decided to get into broadcasting. And she's been doing well and flourishing working for ESPN reporting and doing broadcasting on the side and now recently she was afforded the opportunity to be a part of sports center africa when they go to africa for the nba africa games that's just incredible you know just the dominance that they both have had the way that they're kind of creating and paving their own lane recently this week uninterrupted released a quick little mini documentary that they did on the sisters not just Cheney and Nekka, but also their little sisters as well, who also play basketball. It just is just, you know, it's a line of all the sisters. They all play basketball. They're all very dominant in the sport, all very uh, successful in the sport. And I love how they're just paving the way for not just their own sisters, but possibly other girls, especially women of African descent, seeing how they can, you know, make it pro and create a lane for themselves and create the career in which that they want. And I love seeing both of them do it at the same time. You know, you have NECA 
dominant on the court, playing for the Sparks, being an anchor there, being a very a great leader there. And then you have Chanae, who is taking over broadcasting. You see her doing different panels and different events and representing the WNBA off the court in such a very classy, gracious, uh, intellectual way. And I'm just very, very proud of them. And I just, you know, I think that's something to be celebrated, just see how their ascension has been over the past couple of years since entering the league. Yeah, you definitely said it. The best part about seeing them grow is seeing them succeed together as sisters. And you can tell they're the best of friends. I think that's awesome. Like you said, they're the second pair of siblings since the Manning brothers in the NFL to be drafted number one overall, which is creating history to see Black women do that and be so successful. I love those two. They have a lot of personality, very vibrant. And you look at NECA's career right now, she's really at the top of her game. She's getting the highest praises from a Hall of Famer, Magic Johnson, as an intelligent player. Like you said, an anchor. She won the championship, of course, here and in Russia. She won the MVP here and in the Russian League. Just playing out of this world right now. And then, like you said, the documentary for The Uninterrupted, which I really think gave us a good look inside of NECA's everyday life, her busy schedule, and what she's trying to do, which is inspire other women. Chanae is just taking over the world right now. I mean, she, oh, she's out here. <laughs> setting herself up for a life after basketball, which I think is so important for women to do, um, especially for women to do. Set yourself up. Create your future now while you have it. So that when you retire, when you hang your sneakers up, it's already laid out for you. I think that's definitely very important for her to do. And they're both very busy women. So shout out to the Ogumake sisters out of Texas, out of Nigeria. (laughs) And then Texas transplants. Y'all are just amazing. We really look up to you here. We would love to have you on the podcast one day. We're going to speak it into existence um, Mm -hmm. where they come on and just really give us a look into their daily lives and just how well they're being able to turn into these successful young black women. And if side note, if there's anyone that you feel that you want to hear on the podcast, guys, email us the wpodcast at gmail.com or hit us up in our DMs on Twitter or Instagram. And we will try to do whatever it is that we need to do and connect with whoever we need to connect with in order to make that happen. Because we want to have people that we want love to talk to, but if there's anyone that you want us to talk to, we would love to have them as well. So now let's get back to uh, Neka and Shanae. I actually wanted, we want to play uh, a snippet from the um, uninterrupted documentary. It was a quote by Shanae Ogunike about respect for the female athletes. Let's go into that right now. Fame and fortune are not at the center of women's basketball player success. Success in sports, especially as a female, looks like respect. So Chanae started that quote off by saying, fame and fortune are not at the center of success for female athletes. It comes down to respect. So we're going to talk a little bit about the fortune that goes to female athletes versus male athletes. Now here, we're not gonna just do a whole bunch of comparisons. We all want you to be enlightened on this situation because as we mentioned before, draft just passed last week. And it's really important to note the difference between these rookie contracts because they are astounding. So I'll break these down for you here. So what I'll do is I'll start with Kelsey Plum's rookie contract. So she also has a Nike endorsement deal, which is separate, of course, from what the the league pays her. But she came in 
highly anticipated. Of course, the greatest female basketball scorer out of college ever in history. So in her first year, she's slated to make $50,000. It's a very good wage to live on in life. We're going to flip this to her counterpart, Markel Fultz, who was from the same college, who is drafted at the same position just in the NBA for the Philadelphia 76ers. So he has a guaranteed contract in his first two years. These are Forbes numbers. He is guaranteed $15,366,120. Over this, his entire rookie contract, the maximum that Markel Fultz can make as the number one 2017 NBA draft pick, $33,727,701 over the course of the contract. So as you can see, like I mentioned, those are very astounding differences in the numbers. WNBA salaries start at $34,000 and cap at $110,000. We'll talk a little bit more about expansion and why the players have to go overseas. They go overseas because they can make up to 15 times more playing in a foreign country tax-free and get to be able to collect that money and come back. But it comes at a cost. You spend seven months overseas and five months here playing basketball in the States. It was very, very taxing. Whereas NBA players just have to play their six, seven, eight month schedule and get upwards to $33 million. Markel Foles is actually making 7 million more over the course of his rookie contract than Ben Simmons who was a 2016 number one NBA draft pick. That's a lot of numbers I threw out at you all, but you can sense the disparities there and you can see how it's pretty much an injustice. We were having a conversation with Lowe's fiance where he said the WNBA is the Kelly Rowland of the professional sport league conglomerate that they're supposed to be having between the NBA, the NBA G League, as well as the WNBA. They're really in the shadows and it's evident to see here in the player salaries. And it's actually really, really sad. Kelly Rowland, you know, one third of destiny's child. It has huge overseas success overseas. She has number one album. She has number one songs. Um, you know, she dibbled and dabbled into dance and different forms of music and she's very successful. So she's eating. First of all, she's eating because she's part of Destiny's Child. So she's going to eat for the rest of her life. But she's also doing really well with her career over there, but it's just not translating here probably because, you know, she's constantly being compared to Beyonce. And they're two different types of singers, even though they were in the same group. When he brought up comparison, it just clicked. I'm like, that makes sense because here the WNBA is constantly being compared to the men. And we're, we here, we're not comparing the WNBA to the men in terms of, of capability and in, in terms of uh, tenacity or drive or anything like that. We're just saying, listen, the girls need to get paid. They should get paid. They should be rewarded just as much or relatively close to what the men are saying. And why aren't they getting that kind of respect that they're getting overseas because overseas, a lot of these teams that are trying to build their programs and everything like that or whatever, they will pay top dollar or whatever their top dollar is to get a Diana Tarazi, to get a, you know, Neko Gumike, to get a Candace Parker, to get a Maya Moore. Actually, I just read recently that Skylar Diggins is going to be playing overseas this year in Turkey for the first time in her career. So they're playing top dollar to get a lot of these players to go overseas, which is fine if that's what the player wants to do. There's a difference between wanting to play overseas to get better, to make a little extra money, and then having to play overseas 
because you need to survive and get in $50,000 a year. This is not going to, this conversation is going to continue and continue and continue until we see some kind of equality, not just in the WNBA, but just overall with women and gender and just seeing the pay gap close. So it's going to be, it's a, it's a long fight that the ladies are in, that we are in, me and Princess as women. And we're just going to continue to talk about it and use this platform to just continue to bring awareness to it. That's how we're going to leave you all today. Ponder on that thought. What we're going to start doing now as well is after the death of Prodigy from Mob Deep, we thought the best thing we could do to leave you guys for until next week is some bomb music. So enjoy this week's music selection is based around money <laughs> and hey don't forget about us for episode eight coming next week right and don't forget to subscribe on apple Podcasts, formerly itunes and on soundcloud so we're wrapping it up thank you for listening and on behalf of myself and the beautiful talented princess streeter thank you for okay. listening we love you uh talk to us during the week social media at the W Podcast on Instagram at the W Podcast underscore on Twitter or email us the W Podcast at gmail.com. So take care, everyone. We love you. Be safe and catch you next week. Thanks for listening. The New York Times side Staying alive was no job Had second hands Moms bounced on old man So then we moved to Shallon land A young youth You're rocking the gold tooth Low goose Only way I began to G-York Was drug loot Unless started like this son Rolling with this one And that one Pulling out gats for fun But it was just a dream For the team Who was a fiend Started smoking wounds at 16 And running up in gates And doing hits for high stakes Making my way on fire skates no question I would speed for cracks and weed The combination made my eyes bleed No question I would flow off and try to get the dough off Sticking up right boys on board My life got no better Same damn low sweater Times is rough and tough like leather Figured out I went the wrong route So I got with a sick tight click and went all out Catching keys from cross seas, rolling in MPVs every week. We made 40 G. Yo, brothers, respect mine. I ain't gonna take now. Nah. Bow, move from the gate now. Nah.